Okay, we're in a series, which means we talk about a topic for several weeks, and we're finishing up four weeks in this topic, Things Jesus Never Said. And if you want to catch up, you can go to Facebook and watch it, or you can listen to it on our, on our website, the other three. Um, <clears throat> why would you, a church talk about things Jesus didn't say? <laughs> well, we're highlighting the fact that some things that Jesus could have said but didn't say, and why he didn't say them, and what he actually did say, and so that has a special, I think, a little special uh, power to it. Um, so we talked about that. This today is you get what you deserve. Uh, we talked about that. Those things we could imagine uh, at the beginning. We're going to push that back a little bit this morning. I want to start with a different question. How do you deal with feelings of guilt? Everybody has feelings of guilt. How do you deal with them? What do you do with them? <clears throat> If you research it, they said the top guilt that you and I have <laughs> is food guilt. 29% of what you and I eat, we feel guilty about. I thought, that's amazing. Now, this is interesting, guys and gals. Guys feel guilty for about 20 minutes. Then it's gone. You ladies, I don't know how long it lasts for you. <laughs> Your guilt about what you eat. <clears throat> There's all kinds of guilt. Uh, mom guilt. It's kind of a lose-lose situation. If you're a mom and you stay home, you feel like you're not pulling your weight to earn the money to, for the household. And if you go out to work, you feel guilty because you're not taking care of the kids at home. And so moms, it's just kind of a can't win in that situation. Uh, it can be dads also. Then there's this category I call general guilt. We just feel guilty sometimes. I must have done something wrong. I'm not sure what it is, but I must have done something wrong. I call it false guilt. Satan wants us to feel guilty all the time. And so if you can't pinpoint, if God hasn't convicted you of something, then you're not guilty of something, if you can't think of what it is. Of course, we have guilt about things we did that we shouldn't have done. We have guilt about things we didn't do that we should have done. There's even success guilt. People that are successful. Well, uh, you know, I sacrificed my family. Or I sacrificed my health to be, quote, unquote, successful. Of course, there's failure guilt you know, because I failed, I didn't accomplish, you know, my marriage broke up or, you know, whatever it might be, uh, guilt about that. <clears throat> of course, there's spiritual guilt. You know, I didn't spend enough time with God. You know, I don't, I don't go to church enough. I don't pray enough. I don't read my Bible enough. I didn't, don't put enough money in the offering. I don't go out and serve. Like, I didn't go on a missions trip. Whatever it might be, we have all this spiritual guilt. And then Pastor Clint and I have this special category of guilt. We call it pastor guilt. And pastors have this guilt about, okay, I didn't study, you know, enough for this uh, message this morning. I didn't spend enough praying, time praying. I didn't spend enough time visiting. I didn't spend, you know, I said this. I shouldn't have said this or I should have said this. Should have called that person and I didn't. And it just can come overwhelming. So I'm just here to tell you I understand guilt. Today's topic, we're going to talk about how Jesus dealt with sin and guilt. And the interesting thing is, as we look at the last hours of his life, instead of Jesus having a gold crown, what does he have? A crown of what? Thorns. And instead of being served by servants, he is surrounded by two criminals. And instead of <clears throat> sitting on a throne, he is hanging on a cross. So we're going to look at Luke's account. It's in Luke chapter 23, starting verse 
33. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with them. You ever think about why there was three of them? Why didn't he just crucify Jesus? Well, crucifixion was expensive. It needed at least four Roman soldiers. It sometimes took days. And so they didn't usually do one person at a time. They would do groups of people. And I don't know why exactly three. We'll talk about it later. But Jesus wasn't crucified alone. <clears throat> and the next verse says they came to the place called the skull or Golgotha. And they nailed him to a cross. Put spikes in him. And the criminals were also crucified. So all three of them were crucified. One on his right, one on his left. Now I think right and left. Remember James and John came to Jesus and said, Hey, we would like to be at the places of honor on your right and left. And Jesus said, You don't know what you're asking. So who, were on the right, who wound up on his right and his left? Two criminals. And a crucifixion was probably the most painful, excruciating, and shameful death imaginable. Um, started usually with scourging. It's a cat of nine tails. So this piece of nine pieces of leather with bits of, with probably lead and, that would bruise you and then something sharp that would cut you. 39 times they would hit you back and front. Eventually your whole body would be bleeding. Uh, your internal organs may come out. You may actually go into shock or die after the scourging. Only if you survive the scourging do you get to carry part of your cross, go to the place of execution. Then they would nail spikes into your hands or feet or, or wrists and, and ankles. And they used to argue about this, but I was in Jerusalem a couple months ago, and they're actually in the museum, there's a heel bone with a spike through it. So they actually have evidence that people were crucified that way. <clears throat> Crucifixion was rare because it was expensive. And so you had to have done something pretty bad. Most, of, most criminals were made into slaves. So these guys must have been so bad that they couldn't consider them as slaves. They just had to execute them, get rid of them. And it was public, and they often stripped you of most of your clothes, if not all your clothes, so it was shameful. And so just, just, just horrible death. The other interesting, well, you often died by suffocation because you couldn't hold yourself up and couldn't breathe. And if you lasted a few days, they'd break your legs so you couldn't hold yourself up and breathe. And actually, it was a merciful way uh, to end your life. But the interesting thing about Jesus is, as the song goes, he could have called 10,000 angels and said, Get me off of here. Wipe all these people out. That's the end of it. He didn't do that, though. What did he do? What did he say? Next verse. Father, forgive them. They just beat you. And now they've crucified you. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And if you and I were there, we would be the ones yelling crucify him. So he says it for you and I. Forgive you. Forgive me. Jesus had to die on that cross. And skipping down a couple of verses, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed him. <laughs> you think you're the Messiah, huh? Prove it. Save yourself. Oh, by the way, save me while you're at it, right? He didn't care about Jesus. He just cared about himself. But he didn't really believe it. He was just making fun of him. But the other guys, whole different story, right? But the other criminal, <clears throat> next verse, he protested against this guy. He said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Don't you fear God? You're within hours of your death and you're facing your eternity. You're facing Almighty God. Aren't you concerned about that? 
Then he said, we, you and I, we deserve to die for our crimes. We've done horrible things. That's what we deserve. But this guy, this man, this Jesus, hasn't done anything wrong. This is just and fair for us, but it's not just and fair for him. So I want you to help me with some, finish some statements here, okay? You all can jump in here. What goes around... Oh, you know that one, okay. Your past will come back to? Good. Third one, you made your bed now. You know all three. And what we're saying with all three of those is what? You're going to get what you deserve. Now, we're kind of all a little warped about this deserving thing. If you're driving down the highway and somebody zooms past you at 90 miles an hour, 10 minutes later you see him pulled over by a cop, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? You got what you deserve, right? We're not thinking, oh, I'm so sorry that you got caught. Now, if you and I get stopped by a cop, what are we thinking? Please, 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 just give me a warning. So we're a little warped when it comes to this deserving thing, right? We want other people to get what they deserve. We don't want what we deserve. So we go back to the guy on the cross. He said, we deserve to die for our crime. This man hasn't done anything wrong. This is what, we're getting what we deserve, right? So then he addresses Jesus, and he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, this is fascinating to me. Next verse. <clears throat> this man, this criminal, we don't know his spiritual background. He probably didn't hear the Sermon on the Mount. We don't know if he ever even heard anything Jesus taught had more faith than Jesus' disciples. Because when Jesus dies on the cross, what happens to his disciples? This is over. This is done. Let's go hide. This man says, okay, Jesus, I know your kingdom's still coming. I know you're dying on the cross, but your kingdom's coming, and I want you to remember me when your kingdom comes. Now, Jesus could have said a lot of things to this guy. He could have said, forget you. You don't deserve to be in my kingdom. Look at the stuff you've done. In fact, I don't even like the looks of you. I don't like the smell of you. I don't know you could have said anything, right? And besides, you can't, you can't serve my kingdom. You can't put money in the offering plate. You can't be baptized. You can't, you know, go on a missions trip. You can't do any of these things. And you've already admitted you're guilty. You deserve to die. But that's not what Jesus said. What did Jesus say to him? Jesus replied, I assure you, you can take it to the bank. I promise you, I guarantee you, today, you will be with me in paradise. My response could be, that's not fair. He never went to church. He never did anything good in his whole entire life. Why is he in paradise? Reminds me of something that Paul wrote. Uh, it's in Ephesians chapter 2. Pretty familiar to those of us that are church goers or Jesus followers. If you're not, we're, really, we're, we're delighted that you're here with us this morning. He says, all of us, that means all of us, also live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were na- nature deserving of what? <coughs> 
What do you and I deserve? God's wrath. We deserve to get, I always say it this way, we deserve to get zapped. First time we screw up, as a child probably, we, we all, none of us would grow into adulthood. We'd all be zapped before that, right? That's what we deserve. But, there's a big but here. But God doesn't do that. He is so rich in mercy. Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. So, you get what you deserve? No. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. And he loved us so much, and goes on, that even though we were dead, dead means separation, so when we separate ourselves from God by the mess-ups we and the sins that we do, even though we were dead because of our sins, he, God, gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So the fact that Christ rose from the dead means that you and I can raise from the dead, meaning we can have a relationship with God. Because we all mess it up when we sin. It is only by God's grace. Now grace, my definition, or easy definition, is getting what you don't deserve. So mercy is I don't get deserve to die. Mercy is, um, grace has given me a relationship with God, purpose and meaning in life, my sins forgiven, eternity in heaven. That's grace. So Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And if you're a Jesus follower today, you're alive. When we all were once dead. And if you're not a Jesus follower, spiritually speaking, you're, 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 you're dead. You're separated from God. You don't have that relationship with God. And then a couple of verses, pretty familiar. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And what's our part? To believe it. That's it. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Somebody gives you a gift. You say, oh, what do I owe you? Is that what you say? No, what do you say? Thank you. <laughs> it's a gift. Right? Thank you, God. Salvation is not a reward. Okay, I've been serving you, God, for, I've been a pastor for 40 years. I deserve this. No, no, it's not a reward. Not something you deserve for the good things you've done. Hopefully you've done lots of good things, better things than I've done. What's the reason? So none of you can boast about it. Can you imagine going to heaven and everybody got there on their own merits? So Billy Graham's up there saying, hey, I preached and millions of people were saved. How many people were saved when you preached? And I think, well, you know, I counted on my fingers. I'm really going to feel good about that, right? Of course not. Because it doesn't, it's not because of what I've done or not done. So let's just imagine for a second. These Roman soldiers here, Jesus asked, these guys be forgiven. They decide to forgive this guy. So instead of dying and meeting Jesus in paradise that day, he's taken down off the cross and his, and his wounds heal. And it's only because of Jesus he didn't die that day. So what do you think he's going to think about every day of the rest of his life? Looking at those scars. I should be dead, but I'm alive because of Jesus. And we don't have the physical scars, but we all got scars and we look at our scars and if you're alive in Jesus today we should every day say thank you Jesus I'm alive because of you and the next verse talks about God's made us all masterpieces you're a masterpiece we're all unique we know that but not we're uniquely good not or amazing not uniquely bad we're all equally bad he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, a new creation. 
Why does he do that? So we can say, hey, look at me. No, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And so for 30 years, hopefully, those of us involved in this church have been doing the things that God planned for us, the good things he planned for us long ago. And then it got me thinking about, well, this is not a New Testament thing at all. Sometimes we think, well, this is, you know, New Testament. And we can go all the way back to the psalm, one of my favorite verses. Not this verse, but I'll tell you a second. He, meaning God, does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we, what? Deserve. Let's go way back before Jesus. The God that's loving now is the God that was loving in the Old Testament. Goes on. It says his unfailing love means it can't fail, it can't stop. His unfailing love toward us who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. I don't know how far that is, but I love this next phrase. And some of you heard this. He, God, has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Okay, I think this is east. <laughs> All right, I'm start walking east. How far do I have to walk before I get to the west? <laughs> There's no bridge there. I can't get there. No. I can go till I get back to this spot, and I'm still headed east, right? There is no distance. It's unmeasurable. It's unlimited. You never can get to the West. Now, I do want to talk about one other thing before we close this morning, something called numerology. I should call it biblical numerology because I think there's other numerology. Spiritual meaning behind numbers. And I'll just give you a few. You can Google this and look at it yourself. It's pretty fascinating. The number one significant in Scripture because we have one God, right? That is so unique we don't understand it. Back when uh, Judaism was started, everybody had worshipped multiple gods. And Judaism comes along and says, no, 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 there's just one God. Uh, seven's a number in Scripture. Uh, you know, seven lampstands, etc., etc. That That's a sign of, uh, of <clears throat> perfection, number of perfection. Number six, what's the number six represent? Do you know? That's man's number. Everybody knows the 666 stands for what, doesn't it? Uh, evil or the uh, Antichrist or whatever. 12 is a big number in Scripture. Uh, 12 disciples, 12 tribes of Israel, etc., etc. 40 is a big number. Uh, kind of trial and testing. 40 years, in the, 40 years in the desert. Jesus, 40 days without food, etc., etc. Let me ask you a question before we go to one other number. How many people were hanging on a cross that day? Three. Three. Probably three is the most significant number in numerology. Three represents completeness or wholeness. And so we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That makes up our one God. Jonah was in the belly of the whale. How many days? Three. Which kind of foreshadowed Jesus. Uh, how many times was Jesus tempted? Three. How many times did you pray in the garden to not have to go to the cross? Three. How many gifts were brought to him as a child? Three gifts. How many people were hanging on the cross? Three. How many days was he in the tomb? Three. So what can we say? The crucifixion and the resurrection is completed. It's whole. Nothing else can be done, needs to be done. So, 
We are not here because we are good. I'm not here because I am good. You're not here because you are good. And speaking of guilt or not deserving it, I don't deserve to be a pastor. I don't deserve to get the privilege to stand up here and teach God's words to you. Clint, we don't deserve it to be pastors. I don't deserve to be walking around. I don't deserve to be able to run. Some of you can't. It's all God's what? Grace. I've got what I don't deserve. Let's go back to our other statement. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. So here's your homework. Look for ways to be merciful to others just as God has been merciful to you. Not say, hey, you got what you deserve. <laughs> no, I don't want you to get what you deserve. Going to go in a different direction next week. We're going to talk about <clears throat> we're better connected. If you've got some of those t-shirts, you might want to wear it next week. If I can find mine, I might wear, wear mine. <laughs> Life is better connected. That's where we're going to go next week. Hopefully you can join us. In fact, the next uh, six, uh, five, six, seven weeks are going to be really important. We're going to talk about connection for two weeks, then we're going to talk about being for our city um, five weeks after that. So hopefully you can join us every week for the next seven weeks. That would be great. So let's pray, and I especially want to pray for you if you consider yourself dead this morning, that you will not remain that way. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your grace Mercy first, I think, grace. We don't get what we deserve. We don't get zapped. We don't get, you know, separated from you for eternity. Uh, we have the opportunity. We have the privilege to accept this gift. It's a gift. It's completely free. There's nothing we can do to earn it. This guy on the cross was soon to die. He, he, he didn't do anything. So it's all about you, God, not about us. But we need to believe it. We need to accept it. We need to invite you into our life to ask forgiveness, and then um, receive that gift. Our lives will be transformed. We will be reborn. We will be alive spiritually. So God, we pray for anybody here this morning. If they're struggling with that decision, that they would accept that gift, be transformed, be part of your family, join the family of God. Uh, most of us, as, as usual, are Jesus followers. We thank you for that privilege that somewhere in the past we made that decision. We were convinced and accepted and now been transformed. We are alive spiritually. Our lives are completely different. Thank you for that grace and mercy, God. And it's just something we're a little warped about us that we don't want to show it as much to other people as we should. Forgive us for that. Let us be merciful as you are merciful. Let us be gracious as you are gracious. Let us be forgiving as you are forgiving. Let us be loving as you are loving, God. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.